Today's show is brought to you by Grammarly, an intelligent writing app. Download Grammarly's browser extension and create a free Grammarly account at www.getgrammarly.com forward slash holy backboard. Let's go! All right, everybody, welcome to the 184th edition of the Holy Backboard Podcast. I am Dustin here in Rip City, and I got my man Sage chilling here in Beaverton, Oregon. And my goodness, it did not start out well for this podcast. I had to switch mics, restart my computer, do all this other shit. But you know, I'm here, and you know, this week was kind of, uh, we predicted the Knicks would we beat the Knicks and then we'd lose the Nuggets. So ain't, ain't shit that ain't shit change really. No, it's been one of the more quieter weeks of Blazer basketball. We haven't lost a player to a season ending injury. We haven't brought in a former hall of famer or a soon to be hall of famer. Uh, very quiet on the Blazer front. And you know what? I am okay with that. This season has taken a toll on your boy and I was actually really excited to watch that Thursday game against the Nuggets. I was like, okay, here is the chance for the Blazers to prove themselves. They keep talking about wanting to make the playoffs. They keep talking about, okay, we're going to turn it around. And earlier in that day, I had found an old game of the 99 Blazers against the Suns game two of the first round. And I've been looking everywhere for 99 Blazers games. That was obviously the year before we got Scotty and Steve Smitty. And the year we kind of came out of nowhere and made that Western Conference Finals run. So I've been just looking for games, and I finally found one. And that team was so fun to watch. They had Sheed at the three, Grant at the four, Sabas at the five. I mean, they would fuck some teams up today because Rashid is, he was a next generation player, able to go inside and out, defend multiple positions. I mean, you had J.R. Ryder doing business. I mean, this team played 12 guys. They didn't have Bonzi Wells or Jermaine O'Neal in the rotation. That shows how just insanely deep they were. Man, Sabonis, that dude was a treasure. Some of the passes he had. Uh, so I just like, I got really excited, watched that game. I was like, okay, Blazers, it's time to turn it around. And they just go out. And frankly, they played like dog shit against a very beatable Denver Nuggets team who had lost three straight games. Um Jokic didn't do much, but, you know, aside from Melo and Whiteside, we got nothing from nobody, Sage. It seems like the people that we're blaming for most of the stuff that's happened, the scapegoats, happened to absolutely kill shit that game. It's, I think Portland's problem isn't one or two players exclusively. It's the complexion of this roster. You know, I think Channing Fry said it best, Portland has a lot of great players, but collectively, they're kind of all the same guy when, when it really all boils down to it. They all need the ball in their hands. They, they they need to score. They want to create for themselves. We don't have a lot of role players who fit into healthy role players, I would say, because Rodney filled a great role as the catch-and-shoot three. Zach played the role of the two-way big. Nurk is obviously invaluable in what he offers from, from a center position. But, you know, really, aside from Whiteside, everyone else that we have who's getting major minutes kind of plays the same style of basketball. And collectively, it, it just it doesn't work. And I think that's Portland's problem 
when they play against a good defense is other defenses are like, okay, you just go one-on-one. If someone gets hot, who cares? I mean, we've seen Dame score 60 and lose because we just didn't get anything else in rhythm. We didn't get any stops on defense. So to me this year, it's it's just going to be rough until we get other kind of troops back in the mix. And who knows? Obviously, Rodney's out for the year. Zach up in the air. I, I doubt we see him. But, you know, Yusuf Nurkic has been making the rounds on social media, especially from, you know, video accounts of him running stairs, going through workouts. Looks like sources are starting to come out saying, you know, maybe around the All-Star break, we could see Nurkic back in the lineup and that would give Portland a big boost. But Sage, I don't know if they can stay above water to to really make it worth our while other than just getting a little bit momentum heading into that that next season. It's almost like the Blazers are a young college football team and they're playing their rivals on the last game of the season. They're out of bowl contention. They can't play next week, but you can spoil someone else's season and you can go and get some momentum into the, the winter workouts, spring practice, and all of a sudden fall rolls around. You're a top 25 team and you've got big aspirations. The Blazers kind of have to treat this season in the exact same fashion. You're not going to do shit this year. I think you have to come to that realization. It's just not going to happen. But you can develop young players. You can continue to hone your crafts if you're Damon CJ. And you can work your beast back into the mix so that slowly and steadily and properly so that by the time the fall rolls around, you're feeling like, okay, we're a top 10 team. We're going to go out there. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to take what's ours. A lot of conversations has talked about the ISO, uh, us being a very ISO heavy team. And, you know, in our times, you've seen guys that are actually selfish. For me, it's Marcus Thornton, one of my favorite college players ever, is selfish. I don't think that we're selfish. I think that we're guys that don't really trust. Like, we talked about trust. I don't think Dame trusts who's on his team yet and will think hey i'm better than who's matched up ahead of me let me take this shot i don't see selfishness i see mistrust of who is on our roster so when you talk when you see the iso shit it's not that dame all of a sudden has become super selfish it's dame sees that his team needs him to score so he's gonna score and sometimes those times where he takes those shots are in advantage disadvantageous for us i don't i don't see the selfishness I mean, I think you have three guards like that, Dame, CJ, and Ant, who both, they're score first. You know, whether they want to change their game or, or not, that's who they'll always be at, at their core. And there's nothing wrong, wrong with that. But what we've discussed in the past is we don't really have a great passer on, on this team. I mean, Lord knows we should be having at least three or four alley-oops to Hassan per game. Not not per season. And so that's where the, the fit starts to come in. Hassan has been fantastic, especially from a statistical standpoint. Uh, can, he's a walking double-double, and he can lead the league in shot blocks uh, if, if he wanted to. But he is an above-the-rim guy like a Capella, like a Tyson Chandler, where that's where he wants it. There was a game, I think it was either the Knicks or the Nuggets, obviously had to have been one of the two. But Gary Trent was going to just make him a, made him a bounce pass or a chess pass off of a pick-and-roll. And it was a turnover, and then Hassan ran down the court and pointed up. He wants the ball up in the air. For whatever reason, I don't know if it's the coaching staff or our player personnel, we're not either practicing that, we're not comfortable running that. 
it should be hand over fist like you're riding a bike. Just picking it back up. I mean, you've got a seven seven plus footer who's able to go above the rim and we're not doing it. Those are easy points. You know, Portland, all the way back to the Nate McMillan days, just they don't get easy points. They don't run on the break. They like to take their time in their offense. That They are ISO heavy, but they don't get easy points outside of offensive rebounds. And up until this year, that has been the case. And this year, you add in the fact that we cannot rebound for anything, that makes it kind of doubly hard for us to really have a consistent offense. I mean, if we've watched us against any of the contending teams, we can hang with them for one, two, maybe two and a half quarters. But our style of play that is currently uh, being um, excuse me, executed just, just isn't sustainable for a full 48. And that's why we're not able to beat plus 500 teams. That's why we only have one plus 500 victory. And that came damn near 50 days ago back in late October against the Dallas Mavericks. I get that people want to make a trade for this season, but I think that that's the wrong move and the wrong mindset is really short-sighted because this year is going to suck. This year is going to be really bad, but you got to look at the portion of gold at the end of the road. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it's, it, it, it can't be all sunshine and daisies now. And I know Dame's 29 and is going to be in his, peak but is in his peak right now but it's like he's not turning to dust in the next year he's still going to be very very good so i know that we lose out on a year but then just think about all the troops and all the good players that are coming back to portland in the next year it's like i know i know this year's tough but you got it you gotta just handle it for this year and be okay with seeing them compete for three quarters and then fall off a cliff in the fourth. Thankfully, Neil is on that same page, something that we've been kind of preaching probably since the first couple weeks of the season after Zach Collins went down, is the future is bright. You have to really believe in your core, which is Dame, CJ, Rodney, Zach, Nurk, and to an extent, Anthony and Nasir. And Neil Olshay was quoted in Jason Quick's Atlantic article as stating as such, we are not looking for a quick fix this year. They, they realize where they're at and they're not going to be able to compete for a championship. I mean, it would have been nice. You know, you have the 50th anniversary season. Everything kind of comes together. But for whatever reason or not, it, it's clearly not to be given all of the, the, the rash of injuries and long-term injuries that, that we have dealt with this season. So it's nice to see them taking a, a long-term approach. And that comes with a GM that has job security. And he just signed a long-term extension. He apparently, from the outside looking in, has a really strong relationship with Jody Allen. And on the Woj and Low trade kind of kickstart uh, special they had on ESPN earlier, they mentioned GMs make more rational decisions when they have that job security. So you're not having to always, for Daryl Morey, for example, for Houston, he probably has to make something happen. I mean, the pressure is coming down on him to win with this style, to win with this roster, and they need to win now. There's very little patience there. That core has seen Western Conference Finals success. They want to push it even further, even after getting Russell Westbrook. Portland is in a place where, okay, we had kind of a surprising success last year, we had high hopes coming into this year, but it's it really has been a lot of incidents that are out of our control 
that have derailed this season and kind of really made us recalculate and calibrate what our expectations are now rather than what they were in September and October. Because Sage, right now, if you're looking at the season, I just hope we don't have to play Damon CJ 40 minutes and that everyone really is healthy at the end of the day and that we're developing our young players. I mean, right now, wins and losses aren't exactly what I'm tuning into because I know most of the time, if it's a good team, it's unlikely that we're going to get that win with the roster as it currently is. Now, that could change once you get Nurk back in the mix, but again, that's probably a month and a half, two months down. For this particular year, our expectations have changed week by week, so you have to stay, you know, versatile in how you handle this year because it was, you know, championship, playoffs, oh shit, hey, we got Mellow, oh shit, it, you know, all of these things, like, you have, you have to just roll with the punches this year it's not it's not a, a year where we're thinking man when we get all these players back we're gonna compete it's no it's this is gonna be a bad one but we got plenty of other good opportunities in the future so the core's young we got players under contract it is what it is i know a lot of people want to compete now but just think about future assets their assets they don't you don't want to trade them away for literally a ex- you know, a one-year rental. But speaking of assets, Portland does have about $42-$45 million in expiring contracts with Kent Bazemore and Hassan Whiteside. They also can move, now they can move Tolliver, they can move Hazonia, they can move Lucia if they needed to. So December 15th today marks the day that players traded for or signed in free agency can now be moved. And so... Portland should be probably active. It's probably going to be for a smaller deal. Yeah, you know, and what kind of, if, if everyone's been following along, I would anticipate that Portland does make a move. It's for a player with more years on their contract because Portland may not have as much cap space that they want if you factor in, okay, we might get a lottery pick. That's going to be a much more bigger salary than what we're used to with the 25th, 26th pick. Then you've got to factor in, okay, Rodney Hood's going to come back for $6 million, hopefully. I mean, that that would be fantastic, but that still is going to eat up some of your cap space. And he's he's better than, frankly, a lot of players you can get in the free agent market. And then there's the last two factors, which are, which are the, the most important. One, the free agent market is very dry this year and not super deep. And two, Portland has had historical difficulties getting players via free agency. Normally, it's trade and then re-signing them because the player gets here and is like, oh, this place is pretty rad, great fans, <laughs> great leadership, you know, great culture. I want to stay here. And so that's what I would look for Portland. If they trade for a guy with an expiring contract, It's that means they're getting their bird rights and they feel great about being able to sign them. I don't think that's going to be a Danilo Gallinari type of player because he's going to command probably too much money and that's probably more of a risk than you're willing to take. But if you get a guy like Jay Crowder, you're probably not having to give up a whole lot so you can roll the dice on his expiring contract coming back. But to me, Sage, I think if we do make a move, I think it's going to be for somebody with years left on their contract that makes Portland better, not now, in the future. Everything is going to be done with 2021 in mind. 
I was thinking about like a Damari Carroll because I know Jay Crowder's the toast of the town as far as wing three point shooters that play defense. Uh, Damari Carroll's just chilling in San Antonio, not getting minutes. There's 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 people that that are available, and Damari Carroll's on a two year deal, so he'd be there. Iman Shumper just got released yeah. by the Brooklyn Nets, and the Blazers filed for a disabled player exception uh, worth two point eight five million dollars uh, after Rodney Hood suffered his injury. So obviously the team is still going to compete. So any notion of tanking, I think we can throw that out the window for, for at least the time being. The Blazers are always going to compete. I think the problem is they don't have enough pieces that fit the puzzle that is a winning formula because you have you have a lot of talent on this roster, but we, we really don't have lockdown defenders. We don't have a lot of depth. We don't have a lot of size. So if Portland can look, and you're going to get a lot of that back. I mean, we all know Zach and Nurk and Rodney. They they fill a lot of those voids. But I think what's important for the Blazers is they do have a few assets that if they can take those assets and make the team better next year and the following year, I mean, let's let's not forget, Dame and CJ are signed up for the long haul. I think we still have two years left for, for use of Nurkic. So we're solid. Zach's still on his rookie deal. Like, no one's going anywhere. It's what can we add to that core that in one to two years puts us at the top of the pyramid. Absolutely. So, with it being December 15th and us being able to trade players that we signed in the offseason, who is the person you are most aggressively trying to trade off this roster? I mean, that's tough. I mean, to me, I'm not... I'm not touching Dame. I'm not touching CJ. I'm not touching Zach, Nurk, Rodney, probably not Anthony. Like I don't want to touch that core because I do think they can be special. They haven't really had a chance to play with one another and they, they fit so well. It would take an unrealistic trade. That player is not available for me to be like, okay, yeah, we're, we're packaging CJ and Nurk. That player is not available and we're just not going to do that. Like, CJ means too much to this franchise. Everything that Nurk has really kind of rebuilt himself here, and then he got physically broke, and now he's trying to build himself back up again. There's a lot of support that goes into that from the staff, from the fans, the city, the players. I mean, that they're human beings, too, so they're, it, that aspect kind of factors into my decision. It's not just straight up fantasy 2K. I'm trading you this for that and we're going to get better. Like these are guys that have really poured their blood, sweat, and tears. They have some sweat equity in this organization. And for me as a fan, I respect that and I want to keep them around. There are certain guys you want to win with. Damian Lillard is class A number one example. You know, if he ever gets us a Dirk Nowitzki title, I mean – it's it's over. Best player in franchise history, no questions asked. The statue was built. He would literally be a living legend. So for players to me that I think make the realistic sense, I mean, you've got Hassan, Kent, Anthony, Mario, Scal, whichever is able to get you that player, those players are all on the table for me. And it has nothing to do with them as people it's more of the fit just either the talent level in some cases or or the fit hasn't been really where we need to be and in Hassan's case we knew it was a rental 
because we had Nurk in the fold. We went out and got a starting caliber center to hold down the fort. Well, the beast is going to be back fairly soon. And we've both discussed kind of back and forth. Would he accept a bench role? Would he not? Would he maybe cost too much to bring back and resign? Uh, who knows? So when I say Hassan Whiteside, I don't think he's the problem. I just think that because of who he has behind him getting healthy makes him expendable. I think the number one person we should try and trade, no disrespect to Mario Hazonia, is Mario Hazonia because I but is want he, the, Is he going to like get anything? Are we going to get anything back for Mario though? Here's why I want to trade Mario. Okay. I want the decision to be really clear who the backup small forward power forward is. If Nazir Little is healthy, he has to be the one going out on the court at all times. So I try. I want to try and make this thing dumb down a little and make the decision. Oh, this is Nasir's role right here. No, no, fifteen minutes. Uh, you know, playing time for Mario Hazonia. It's Nasir's job right here. So that's I. I, I just want to cut down the options of starting small or backup small forward power forward. It's it. It's just we need to see what Nasir can do. And if, if if Mario Hazonia is a, a speed bump to seeing what Nasir can do, we need to take that speed bump out. That's a fair point. And I, I, I was pretty upset Nasir didn't play against Denver, but then the team announced that it was due to back spasms. So whatever it is what the Blazers are doing, it, man, figure that shit out. Dame, Rodney, Nasir have all had back spasms this year. And that's the first time I can remember our team experiencing back pa- back spasms. So you guys got to figure that out. We cannot be having these... These guys are uh, having back problems, especially at 19 years old. Yeah, Nasir's going to be, his back's going to be sore enough carrying our team for the next decade, right? Absolutely. And he is a player that we need to see. I want to see him get a ton of time. I want to see him kind of get, quote unquote, I want to see him kind of open his bag and kind of dive down deep in that. Like what I saw against Denver in the preseason when he went behind the back against Michael Porter, I know it's there. And I know it's easier to do in a preseason game when the game's already decided, but exactly. But if this season, if we're going to say, let's just see what, what we can get, I would love for Terry and Dame to be like, you know, when you're out on the floor, be aggressive, go all in. You're not going to get pulled. Here's the minutes you're going to get. You've talked about uh, Monty Williams telling that to, who was it? Uh, Alvin Gentry, uh, Alvin Goran Dragic. Goran Dragic. You know, just saying, here's your role. Here's your time. Go, go after it. Go get it. And I think that's where you're going to see him really tap into the talent that he has. So, yeah, I definitely want to see Nasir get time. And I think Mario has been a, a bit of a disappointment. And honestly, that play, I believe it was against the Oklahoma City Thunder where he had a wide open layup but decided to go up and under and, and, and miss, miss the reverse layup, um, showed to me that he's playing with just way too much internal pressure. Uh, you can see it out there where he's trying not to mess up. He's trying to make the perfect play. And I don't know if that's correctable in, in a season. That That's that's something that can take years to fix. I mean, we battled that with Myers for years before we're like, Myers, shoot the goddamn ball. You're open. Um, same thing with Mario. It's just like, I, I don't know if it's, if it's, if this is the, the fit. Mm-hmm. I think that he absolutely deserves to be in the NBA. It's just this is like the worst possible place for him to be. Like, I think the resurrection project of Mario Hazonia's career needs to be in a team that's uh, more fast-paced and 
he needs to be that uh, ball handler off the bench. And Well, I think he needs to be able to play through his mistakes. And right now the Blazers, they, they are still fighting for a playoff spot. And they, they frankly can't afford to have Mario Hazonia make rookie mistakes. Now, Nasir Little, on the other hand, he's a rookie. So, yeah, play play through it. Get the, get those mistakes. And so, yes, it is a double standard. But the Blazers are in, in a funky place where they still want to make the playoffs. They still have aspirations for the season. Unfortunately, the results are saying you're a lottery team. But, you know, you put Mario maybe on a team like the Knicks last year, and he maybe he gets more time. I think he needed more time. Like, he did so fantastic with the ball in his hands for those last three games. But those were only three games. So I just think he needs to go somewhere where he's going to get some time to, to work through his his skill set and figure out what type of player he really is. And it's hard to do in practice. It's just something that that's the real NBA game is unmatched anywhere else. You have to play and you have to know you're going to get to play. And when you're a struggling role player, the minute you get in the game, you're going to try to put the world on your shoulders and make everything perfect. And that's what he's doing. And I don't fault him one bit, but it's just, it's not working. Mm. So, hmm. Dream scenario. Well, not realistic. Like, who is the guy that you'd want to bring in to help us for the future? I think Portland needs to go and they need to find veterans, first and foremost. To me, I'm looking for intangibles. I want someone who's going to scrap. I want someone who can hold anyone in that locker room accountable. And I want someone with defensive first mindset. And the players that kind of pop in my mind, Ed Davis, Wesley Matthews, Robert Covington, more on the defensive level rather than being able to hold someone accountable. But I just feel like that's lacking right now on this team. We don't, our our bench is so green and we need a guy like a Patrick Beverly who is just every night he has got them boys ready to go, ready to go to battle. it's a different sport, but you look, I was watching Oregon play Utah in the, the conference championship game. And I was 50-50 whether the Ducks would win as they had lost two weeks prior and everyone was hyping up Utah. I saw Oregon's sophomore offensive tackle, Panay Sewell, who just won the Outland Trophy for the best interior lineman. It was just pregame, just a shot. But he had on on that face paint and he was in the face of his other offensive lineman. You could tell like he was ready to lock in and nothing other than a victory was going to come out from that game. It was it was just strange. I saw that and I was like, oh, them boys are ready to play. And that's what Wesley Matthews brought to this roster. And I, I think it's unfair to ask your superstar to be that person because emotionally you have to be more even keel. I think we need to surround Dame with a little bit more, a little more nasty, a little bit. Who's the asshole on our team? We don't. Nurk a little bit. Zach, but I, I want I want them goons on the bench. I want them to be able just to bring in some guys and you know that they're, they're, they're going to lock down defensively. They're going to get after it. They're going to dive for every loose ball. They're going to hype up the crowd. I mean, that's what separates the elite from the elite. I mean, that's just where you see the Clippers are so good right now because that bench – the Bucks have just got so many good veterans. I mean, a Robin Lopez who just comes in, does his role, 
they they figured they figured out they've got the right pieces of the puzzle. So I don't know if that specific player has a name right now, but those are the types of players that I think gets Portland back to where they want to be. I don't think they need score first players. God knows they don't need really another uh, ball handler. They need defense. They need rebounding. They need really high intelligent players on on the defensive side of the ball that can just really swing swing a series, swing swing a couple possessions. But I mean, we, we saw when the Blazers got Scottie Pippen. He collectively brought. I mean, that team was already dominant defensively. He just took them to a whole nother level. They need. They they still haven't found that Scottie Pippen trade for this iteration of the Blazers. That's something that I would like to see them go out and go out and do. I mean, we have enough young talent. We need some vets who want to win or have won and still want more. And I I think there's a fine line because they tried to get a guy like Paul Gasol, but he was way over over the hill. The guy we bring in still has to have a lot of juice, a lot of gas left in that tank. Well, I absolutely agree with you. Hmm. I'm trying to... My dream stretch four is Davis Bertans. If you... Oh, if you... San, San Antonio, how... How pissed off are you at Marcus Morris right now if you're the San Antonio Spurs? You let you traded Bertans in a salary dump to the Wizards because you had an agreement with Marcus Morris that he was going to come and be a starter on, on your team. And then he backs out at the last minute only to sign for more money in New York. I mean, that is some absolute bullshit. And, um, you know, San Antonio, fortunately for them, they've won titles recently. So it's not too big of a loss, but I mean, yeah, Bertans has been lights out for Washington. I'm just, wow. Would you do Hassan for Jan Mihimi's awful contract and David Bertans? No. I would. Jan's only got one year. Jan's. This, a f- I see the, the reason I, I don't think Portland. I want Portland to get more defensive. Like I, I've seen this team just play the pretty poor defense this entire season. And I think that's what's going to to get them over the top. Is Zach Collins as good of a shooter as as Bertans? No. But can he be a serviceable stretch for? Yes, but you're also getting incredible defense. I just think if we're if we're going to make a move. Uh, I, I want it to be focused on, on that area. But I think that you could find... I mean, we have assets to trade. I think you that you could find those dogs. I think th- I think they're harder to come by. I, I think they're a, a, a rare breed in, in today's NBA. And that's why when you have them, they're so special. I mean, you look, Montrez Harrell is an absolute animal. I mean, he's probably... He's not the most valuable player in the league, obviously, but he's his value is through the roof. And he is why I think the Clippers are the best team in, in the Western Conference and the favorites to win. Yes, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, I, I get it. But to have a guy like Montrez Harrell, who is that skilled and that talented, but also has that big of a motor, I mean, he's what... I mean, I, like I said, I watched that 99 game with Brian Grant. Brian Grant was everywhere. 
he's just that those players are so so important. Like I just want to get guys with length that play D. I mean, I want to start locking teams down. I don't want to. I don't think you can win outscoring players or outscoring teams. I want to be able to go into a series and feel confident that our defense is going to get it done. And they've shown they can do that. They played really good defense against the Nuggets when they, when they needed to in the playoffs. But that's a different reason, team, though. It is. It was. But that's what I'm saying. Like we brought in. Ennis Cantor, and he had a bad reputation for defense. He played pretty damn good D. Like, so I'm not saying that Bertans hypothetically wouldn't come in and play defense, but I, I would like a guy who can. If we got Damari Carroll and David Bertans for the next, in this trade deadline, would you be upset? What are we giving up? I mean, Carroll's not even playing, so I would, I would try and finesse him with you know a future second and some of those players that we talked about trading like dude isn't getting any minutes like when he started the three for us yeah i mean don't you have to in a certain point question if a guy in san antonio is not getting any run like why like doesn't popovich have that like the spurs are the team that if they're not doing well for the spurs do you even want to touch them with a 10-foot pole shit i mean yo you I could have said that about David Bertans two years ago. I he mean, sometimes last, but but he broke through and got some run. I'm not saying Carol, Carol would be a fine addition if you could get him for cheap. Um, just more giving you shit. Okay. Well, I mean, shit. Like there, there are those type of guys on benches that aren't playing. So, yes, it is a rare thing to have. But fucking the Bucks have like five of them. <laughs> those, and that's good. why they've won 18 straight, and they're running I mean, away with the East. Giannis kind of helps too, and Eric Bledsoe looks really good. And Middleton's fine. Eric Bledsoe's fun. a dog. I don't. Th- he's gotten to the point in my eyes where he's more of a talented scorer than a dog now. He's nasty. Either way, he has that mentality. It's all. It's all in the mindset. And the Bucks have a lot of those players. Like to me, to the Blazers, there's only one basketball. I mean, when you have a backcourt of Damon CJ that are that dominant ball heavy, it's always going to be difficult to get others shots. And so, okay, we're bringing in Nurkic back into the fold and he's going to need time. Zach, we can actually do with not giving him quite a bit of shots. Rodney was on the verge of needing and demanding more shots with how well he was playing. But, you know, maybe Bertans would be a good fit because our, our bench offensively was our bench defensively and offensively is a nightmare. It's a disaster. So whatever help you can get, you go ahead and take. I don't think I get that Hood needs shots. I don't think he needed usage. He got his shit in the flow of the offense a lot of the time. And those times that he took moving shots, it was like, oh shit, he has to make this play or it's going to be a shot clock violation. Rodney Hood would be perfect with with Nurk. It's just I would slow the brakes on him needing usage. He ain't going to get no usage on this team. He's just going to get his shots in the flow of the offense, kind of like, oh, Dame's running pick and roll with Nurk, uh, three crashes in, and then we pass it to Hood. He's not going to get his name called for like specific plays type of, type of thing. Man, I miss Rodney Hood. Me too, bud. All right, Sage, let's take a quick commercial break, and when we get back, we'll dive into a very busy week 
of Blazer Holiday Basketball. For you, the listeners of Holy Backboard, Grammarly is offering a free download of the Grammarly software. Grammarly's AI-powered products help people communicate more effectively. Grammarly helps you write mistake-free on Gmail, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and nearly anywhere else you write on the web. Grammarly corrects hundreds of grammar, punctuation, and spelling mistakes while also catching contextual errors, improving your vocabulary, and suggesting style improvements. To download Grammarly today, go to getgrammarly.com forward slash holybackboard. Again, that's getgrammarly.com forward slash holybackboard to download Grammarly for free. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Holy Backboard podcast. Dustin and Sage here. Sage, the Blazers are currently sitting at 10 and 16 in the Western Conference. The Sacramento Kings are 7th at 11th, 11 and 14. So the Blazers, really close. I mean, outside of the, the top five teams, then you got the Jazz kind of in their own tier. It's kind of a free for all and up for grabs as to who really wants these last two seeds. Uh, Phoenix has been struggling a bit. New- Minnesota, after a hot start, they have lost seven straight. It doesn't appear that the Warriors, Pelicans, or Grizzlies are going to be in any sort of contention. So you really have San Antonio, Minnesota, Oklahoma City, Phoenix, Sacramento, and Portland. Those are six teams fighting for two spots. The Blazers have a prime, the best opportunity probably this entire season to date to make up some ground. They have four games this week, Sage, all in which are against sub 500 teams you have at Phoenix on Monday, the worst team in the league, the Golden State Warriors come into your building on Wednesday, then you have a home back-to-back, which can be tricky, but the Blazers must navigate it. Friday against Orlando and Saturday against Minnesota. Sage, let's let's dive into this Phoenix game because it is the first time the Blazers have seen this Suns team and they are much different than last year, and they're playing really well. Can, even the even though they're struggling, they are very competitive, and that is without DeAndre Ayton, who still is not back from his 25-game suspension. They picked up Aaron Baines, who is a lot like Robin Lopez, where his game's not sexy, but he gets the job done. Rubio has came in and ran that offense. And Frank Kaminsky has had a bit of rejuvenation in in the Phoenix system. Uh, The rookie Kelly Oubre is really starting to live up to the hype. Cam Johnson uh, is that rookie from North Carolina who can shoot the lights out. And they really have done this without Devin Booker needing much of an outburst. So they're starting to build the team around Booker rather than Booker carrying the entire load. And we all remember Phoenix coming into uh, Portland in the preseason and just shooting the lights out and, and really embarrassing us. Well, I think that was a little foreshadowing into how bad we would be defending the perimeter, but also how improved Phoenix would be. And so this game at the beginning of the season may have looked like a gimme. Now I think looks pretty daunting. So the Suns just played Sunday or Saturday in Mexico City against the Spurs. Spurs winning in overtime. That game was without Devin Booker. But Sage, what should Portland be be on the lookout for this game? I think that rebounding and defensive rebounding in particular is going to be the uh, most important part of this game. Uh, controlling the boards, Hassan 
having to muscle against Aaron Baines, which is a task, is going to be a uh, it's going to be the game. It's if we can stop their possessions, stop Ricky Rubio from getting that second chance, stop uh, Booker from getting that second chance at offense. I think we can control the glass, control the game. That the 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 Suns are not a good defensive team. So if we can get those rebounds, pass them out, and just don't turn over the damn ball. Don't turn over the damn ball because they are going to be in those passing lanes. You see all the wings that they have. They are going to be reaching in those passing lanes. So control the rebounds, control the ball, and we win this game. Yeah, for me, it's going to be how Portland defends the three-point arc. I'm still not recovered from that preseason contest when Phoenix rained it down in in the Rose City. Phoenix attempts the, the eighth most threes per game, you know, 35.6 threes a night. Portland obviously is terrible at defending uh, the perimeter. We get lost a lot, especially on switches and in the pick and roll. And we like to overhelp, especially when the ball handler beats our man off the dribble. So it's going to come down to the three-point shot. Can Portland defend the three, or can they get lucky and Phoenix has an off night? But um, my X factor is going to be the the Blazer bench. We need more than than nine points from from the bench. You know, with with Bazemore moving into the starting lineup, you know, sooner or later we're going to need to get a bigger game from Simons, uh, maybe from Labissier. But outside of of those two. Can we get anything from from Nasir or Hazonia? Especially on the road. This is the the second to last road game we're gonna face um all season. But I, I I'm just not confident right now in the Blazers winning a game against a, a quality opponent, especially on the road. Um I have the Blazers losing this one. What do you have, Sage? If we control the boards, I think we win. So I'm gonna go Blazers victory. Um this team can shoot some threes. So if we're on our game with that and rebounding the ball, I think we're good. And please don't foul if the guy beats you on the beats you off the perimeter because these guys don't need help with the free throw line. All right. Up next is the Golden State Warriors, a team that really embarrassed the Blazers back on November 4th in the Bay Area, 127 to 118. Sage, we all remember that contest. There was no Draymond. There was no D'Angelo Russell. And it was rookie Eric Paschal who had 34. Kai Bowman had 19. And they got 18 off the bench from Damian Lee. And Portland really didn't show up to the play to play mentally from the start. And I think we're going to see a lot about this Blazer team in terms of, of pride. Are they going to be ready to play this team? It's going to be a lot like the Knicks game was last week where you should beat this team. They're coming into your own gym. They are wounded. They are not as talented as they are. And frankly, you should win. So which Blazer team shows up? Is it going to be the one that, that beat the Knicks? Or is it going to be the one that that you know got beat by the Oklahoma City Thunder at home as well? Like the Blazers are, are four and six at home. That's that's just not going to cut it. So, Sage, what should we look out for for this game? I believe Eric is dealing with some sort of injury. Uh, the, the Mercury News says he's going to return versus Portland, which that sucks. Um, he's very good. I He looks like Draymond's few, like 
he's going to take Draymond's spot eventually. He looks real good. We love looking past teams. We have to play this team 100%, focus on this team, and don't look past them. This, they are a atrociously bad defensive team. They will let these shots are free. These layups are free. Don't turn it over. And they foul. Just treat them like an actual team because these players, they may, they might be no names, but they're fighting for their spot in the league. So they're not going to roll over just because we're the almighty trailblazers who have a few extra wins than they do. Focus on them. Attack how bad they are defensively. And treat these players with the respect that they deserve because they beat you once already. Yeah, I've got the Blazers winning this one. I think D'Angelo and Draymond playing actually helps the Blazers. Yeah, because you get serious. These dudes are all-stars. I think Dame has a big night. He loves playing the Warriors regardless of who's in, in that on, on that roster in Portland. Um, do you have the Blazers winning as well, Sage? Yeah, I do. All right, so we will both be going to that game, so that'll be fun. Hopefully, I can see a victory. I've only seen one all season, but moving forward, uh, the Blazers have the Orlando Magic Ooh. on the first night of a back-to-back. Sage, this is a team that Portland has been, you know, tied at the hip when it comes to trade rumors, whether it's, you know, Aaron Gordon, and we've also uh, had our former starting power forward, Alfred Camino, sign with them in, in the offseason. They're seeing kind of a... Jer- uh, Jonathan Isaac just just blossom. John Isaac is the person I want on my team. Uh, Aaron Gordon's kind of, reminds me of Aminu too much, bro. And then they also have Vooch, who who's back. Has, he's back. Who now. is he's back? And Mark Fultz you know, is starting. For all that Hassan does, he does have a tendency to kind of get into stat matches with other players i think the 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 kings game back on the fourth where he had almost a career high i think but also rashawn holmes had a career high i think we could see a similar matchup here where both players you're going to want to have on your daily fantasy oh my god he dropped a daily fantasy uh, (laughs) reference on me (laughs) there is going to be little to no defense played in the middle on friday night so it's a humongous pace down spot for the uh, Portland Trailblazers. They're one of the slowest teams in the NBA. Um, they're one of the better defensive teams. But if you were going to attack the Orlando Magic, it's going to be more guard focused than big focused. Like, you know how some uh, college and NFL defenses are better at pass versus run defense? They're the Orlando Magic lockdown big wise. You can score if you're a guard against the Orlando Magic. So it's good for us to have Damon, CJ, and Ant. So I I see those three having pretty damn good games. I wouldn't expect Hassan to have a good one. Like I I I I got Vooch if I'm doing daily fantasy that day. The the Orlando Magic just clamped down defensively on picks. I mean, you got Aaron Gordon, you got John Isaac and Vooch. That's a tough threesome to go against if you're one Hassan Whiteside. Um, if our guards can outplay their bigs, though, that's where it gets interesting. I would go Orlando wins because they are a fantastic defensive team, but I could see Dame having a very nice one. So what's your pick? Orlando wins. Am I still right, winning you- this thing? The, the pick'ems? 
So we were both 2-0 and last week, correctly, yeah. predicting the win and loss. So I am at 10-16, and 16, you were at 15-11. and 11. So this one was a toss-up for me, but because I need to make up some ground. Oh, so you're just going to pick the Blazers because I picked Orlando? Well, I'm going to go Blazers victory. I still think we are more talented th- than they are, especially in the backcourt. It's going to have to be Damon CJ, but I also think Melo is going to have a, a big night. He's he's a he is a load. He looks down big, low. bro. He looks big and strong. So yes, John boy. Isaac's got some length. Aaron Gordon's got bounce, but Melo's got got the vets. He's got the vet smart. You know he's going to draw him into a few fouls off some bumps, and I think that's what you have to do. But again, I think. This is a stretch. If if Dame is serious, and I know he is, about really getting this team back in the playoff picture, he and CJ both. I mean, the Warriors, Suns, Magic, those are all games where they need to destroy their personal matchup. So I think that happens again, and it leads to me into the most intriguing game of this four-game slate. It's the second night of a back-to-back. It is against the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, a team littered with, with former Trailblazers and Shabazz Napier, Jake Lehman, Noah Vonley, and they have lost seven straight. And I incorrectly said the Blazers were four and six this season at home. They, they're five and six. So they have a chance to finally get over 500 at home. You have a chance to get really close to 500 record-wise if you can sweep this week and go to 14 and 16. But it's going to be really interesting to see how the Blazers defend not only Andrew Wiggins, who's had a had, really good year, he's bounced back, and CJ in the past has done a really good job, good job on Wiggins. But how they defend Carl Anthony Towns, because I don't think you can ask Carmelo to do it, because we saw him try to defend Anthony Davis, and that was just a matchup nightmare. So it's the onus is really going to follow or fall on Hassan Whiteside, and we need him to stay out of foul trouble because teams with skilled bigs really give us fits because we only have one legitimate NBA post player on this roster and that's Hassan Whiteside. So did you see how they're doing the starting lineups and stuff? I haven't, no. Jeff Teague is on the bench. They go uh, Culver and uh, Wiggy at the point. So it's uh, it's Travion Graham, Jarrett, Jarrett Culver, Wiggins, Robert Covington, Carl Anthony Towns. Man, Melo needs to go to work. On young Jared Culver. I, I, th- I think that that starting lineup actually plays into Portland's favor because if I was Minnesota, I would play Towns at the four and, and Gorgie Zhang at the five and go big. Going big beats the Blazers every time, on, every time on a nightly yeah. basis. I mean, the, it's going to come down to Portland. Can they sustain a respectable, you know, kind of statistical balance in term in terms of rebounding. Can they keep Minnesota off of the boards, especially second chance opportunities? Yes, they're going to have some size, but again, Portland skill wise, the guards, this has to be a guard heavy week. And even I'll throw Anthony Simons into the mix. If Portland wants to go out because we have such an advantage in, in our guards being able to get to the basket to score. I mean, we're talking about Jerk Culver, who who's a rookie who was playing at Texas tech last year. Our guard should be able to see that and automatically think dinner's ready. Like yeah. it's time to time to go to work. And, and they're not a good defensive team, bro. They're they're bad at everything. So if Hassan can stay out of foul trouble, he's gonna dominate the paint because that paint is free. They had, they're just trash defensively. So if we can 
take advantage of the lack of guard play with CJ and Dame getting to the hoop whenever the hell they want. That's going to be huge. The one thing I am worried about is they draw fouls. The, the Timberwolves draw a lot of fouls. So we can't, like, this week, we cannot be reaching. Especially on a Carl Anthony Towns drive. Keep him off the line. He draws so many fouls. I got Blazers win. I do, uh, too. I, th- I think our, our guards are going to be too tough to handle. And I would say this. If the Portland Trailblazers do not go at least 3-1 and one this week, it's really time to shut it down. Because this is no... You're not going to get a more favorable slate of games in terms of opponents you're playing, location the games are being held at, and matchups where you finally have a distinct advantage. If the Blazers cannot make hay against these four teams and win at least three of them, I think there needs to be serious discussions about, okay, we're really pulling back their minutes. This, it's just, it really will not happen if they cannot. The margin of error for us to make the playoffs is getting thinner and thinner every loss. Dude, the season is nearly a third of the mm-hmm. way done. And I keep hearing people say, oh, we got 50 plus games. No, you cannot keep digging yourself a hole. You got to, at, at some point, you have to start making progress. You got to get positive regression on your, your wins v- or, or versus losses. If there isn't positive regression on the our, our winning games, the whole, there's 50 games left. We still have a chance. Well, then it becomes 40, 30, 20, 10, and we're out the playoffs. So it's time to really focus on getting dubs against teams that have obvious flaws in their uh, their schemes or player-wise. I mean, shit, Minnesota doesn't have a point guard. Let's fucking dominate them. Jeff Teague does come out for the bench and have a really nice usage rate and controls the offense. So I like him, but he doesn't start. All right, Sage, uh, my computer is about to die. I think we have wrapped everything just about up. Uh, we will be back next week for a, another podcast right before we get into the holiday the holiday season. We're in the holiday season, but the thick of the holidays. Sage, let our, let our listeners know where they can find us. We are on iTunes, Google Play, uh, Stitcher, Himalaya Podcast, and one of these days, I'll have the time to actually do the YouTube shit, man. Your boy has been busy. So, and man, if you guys get a chance and like the podcast, it would mean so much to both myself and Sage. If you would leave us a comment, uh, a five star rating, that that would just mean the world to us. So, you know, if you've listened this far, obviously you're a real one. And if you've already left a, a comment and rating, we appreciate you so much. Um, but thank you all to all of our fans and all of our listeners. Um, it's been a tough year. But, you know, we're, we're in this together. And like I say, I said, happy holidays. Like, this is a fan-based community. And let's let's just enjoy the ride while, while it's still going. And, you know, it's still going. And long-term, it, it looks good. But, you know, we kind of – you got to go through the darkness to see the light. And so right now, it's just a little bit hazy. But we'll get there. We'll get there together. And you may be. This is Bill Shinley. Good night. Everybody, let's go! Let's go.